This podcast and the following message are brought to you by Acorns, Grow Your Oak. Acorns helps you grow your money. In under five minutes, get investment accounts for you and your family, plus retirement, checking, ways to earn more money, and grow your knowledge. Take control with all-in-one investment, retirement, checking, and more. Just one dollar, three dollars, or five dollars a month. Find out more by going to autoconverse.com/acorns. That's www.autoconverse.com/acorns. From Acorns, mighty oaks do grow. Originally, when I started driving Uber. I didn't want to be the guy that like networked with people, you know, because I've had that experience where some guy's trying to sell you protein shakes. And if you sell five protein shakes and your friend sells five protein shakes and his friend sells five protein shakes or some sort of, you know, supplement market level marketing business, you know, and and I didn't want to be that guy like like trying to network with people for the pandemic. It was like a real thing. Like I would exchange my phone number with people in a friend's way or like in a business way. I actually got like a lot of contacts and it was kind of cool pandemic hit that that just didn't happen anymore you know everyone was depressed and you know afraid to talk to anyone anyway that was Eric the Uber driver from Philadelphia talking with us about his top worst Uber rides from the driver's point of view Eric joined us for a couple of the live shows recently to enlighten us with some of his wilder stories from driving for Uber Since then, Eric has retired from driving for Uber to focus full-time on his online business, which, believe it or not, is not with Amazon. Now that's something you wouldn't expect to hear now, is it? From Autoburst Media, this is Autoconverse. Hey, we got a good show lined up for you today. Oh, well, I'm a Game of Thrones nut, so that's that's, that's my jam. The robots are listening. The robots are listening. Hey, thanks for tuning in, everybody, to this episode of the Auto Converse podcast, where we explore people, ideas, and technologies that influence how we are connected and the way we get around. I'm Ryan Girardi. Great to be here with you. This is our first podcast drop since, I'm embarrassed to say, February, when we had Joe Webb and Robin Chandler on to review the automotive and mobility Super Bowl commercials. Yes, that was our last podcast episode. And since then, we've had five shows live on the air. That's the MTC show, the Mobility Tech and Connectivity show, which is our live weekly webcast on how we are connected and the way we get around. And the show serves as a recording session for this podcast each week. At least we're supposed to do it every week. Now, because it's live, it's an entirely different experience, which if you would like to experience, then your best bet is, you ready? text the keyword autoconverse to this phone number 855-766-7585 that's one word autoconverse that's the keyword that's like the message you send and then you send that text to the phone number 855-766-7585 pretty simple now why would you want to do this well for one we'll send you a link to subscribe to our youtube channel so when you do that You know how it works. You press that bell icon to turn on notifications. And that way, every time we schedule a a video or a premiere or a live show, you'll get a notification. You'll have access to it right away. And the other reason to send the text message 
is we will send you a link to the live show every week. So you won't even have to look for it. We'll text it to you right on your phone. How's that for convenience? All right, so here's what we're going to do right now from a mobility connectivity vantage point, which is the theme of the podcast. Bitcoin and Elon Musk are probably two of the hottest subjects right now. Last week on the show, when we went on the air, it was just a few days after Elon had appeared on Saturday Night Live and revealed that he has Asperger's, which didn't seem to catch people by surprise, myself included, kind of explained some things. He also confessed that Dogecoin, the cryptocurrency, is just a hustle. Now, I think there's a lot more behind this, especially because just... A couple of months ago, Elon Musk bought $1.5 billion in Bitcoin and at the time announced that they were going to start accepting Bitcoin as payment for their vehicles. And then less than two months later, they come out and say, we're not going to accept Bitcoin for payment of vehicles because of the effects that Bitcoin has on the environment. If that were true, if that really were the case, then great, that would be noble. I think there's a little more to this picture than we're being led to understand. That's just my skepticism of the situation. Now, it is true that Bitcoin takes a tremendous toll on the environment. In fact, I've seen reports that suggest that Bitcoin in a year uh, requires more energy than the entire country of Argentina and and really other countries as well, not just Argentina, not to single them out. Now, since Elon's appearance on Saturday Night Live, practically all cryptocurrency values have plummeted. In fact, many believe that Bitcoin and crypto in general are headed into a bear season. Now, this is not a surprise to me. I've been on this beat all year. In fact, last month in April, we had Ryan Baptiste on the show talking with us about Counterparty, which is a Bitcoin protocol <clears throat> that some people, like Baptiste, would call a sleeping crypto giant. Here's some of my conversation with Ryan Baptiste on the show. It is. So I'm glad you're here. And what I'd like to do is, you, you know, your focus, you've, you're developing the University of Counterparty, which is attached to Bitcoin. So could you enlighten us, Ryan, on explaining what that actually means? How, how is Counterparty related to Bitcoin? Yeah, cool. So um, you were speaking about NFTs or non-fungible tokens, um, basically just cryptocurrency tokens. Now, non-fungible tokens has... Um, a specific meaning where it's only one of one specific token that only one person can hold. Um, but now the pretty much NFTs is starting to stand for any kind of non-fungible token. So you may have one or you may have a hundred of them. Um, even though there's more than one, it would still be considered NFT. So uh, what Counterparty does is it's a protocol that writes data onto the Bitcoin blockchain. And uh, you can create basically your own tokens. Um, you can have vanity names. You could have a token named Ryan. Uh, you could have a token named Tesla. Uh, once they're gone, they're gone forever. Um, there's no registration free, like a domain name year after year. And uh, you can do incredible things. You can attach art to these. You can um, attach all sorts of data. And, and you know, it's a really strong uh, accounting standard where you can see um, who holds what at all times. So you may just see a Bitcoin number, 
but um, you're able to see the contents inside that wallet. So uh, Counterparty actually uses the most secure blockchain in the world or most secure computing network in the world, uh, Bitcoin. Okay. So Bitcoin is technically a computer network. Yes. Yeah, correct. It's a bunch of decentralized networks that, that connect together that all read the same ledger and they all agree on uh, what data is correct. Okay. Decentralized is the nature of blockchain. Is that, is that accurate? I would say that's the goal of blockchain, yes, is to be decentralized. Whether some sisters are, systems are truly decentralized or not um, is a different story. Okay. So a blockchain, so a blockchain can can also not can also be centralized. Yeah, correct. It depends on, you know, the mining power. So, um, if one person holds 99% of the mining power or proof of stake where you actually hold coins that secure the blockchain, um, if you hold the vast majority like a voting share in a company or something, uh, it's not really decentralized since one person has control over everything. See, I would think if one person has control over everything, it's very centralized. Yeah, this is, it's not decentralized. It's oh, it's centralized. not. Okay, so I did I did pick that up right. Okay. Correct. So when we talk about a fiat currency, that's F-I-A-T, that's, you're referring to a centralized currency such as the U.S. dollar or the yen, right? Yeah, I would say that's correct. Yeah, one person has the power to print all the dollars, yes. Okay. So going back to counterparty, it's a you refer to it as a protocol? A protocol, yeah, where you can actually write data into Bitcoin. So right now... Um, a lot of people refer to Bitcoin as a store of value or a store of like a new store of gold or whatever. Um, I actually consider it a store of security um, because you can, you know, your blockchain is only as valuable as the security it has. So uh, if you have a billion dollars sitting on a blockchain and it only takes $200 million to overtake that billion dollars, um, it's not it's not very secure. So uh, the true value in blockchain comes from the security behind it. Ryan, you've been at you've been in blockchain. I think you told me for seven or eight years now, right? Yeah, correct. About seven years. So, I mean, when you talk about these things, these are very uh, natural for you. I mean, you, these are very familiar concepts for you. But can you understand that for those that are new or unheard of in blockchain, like this is a totally foreign language? <laughs> Which yeah, is I, probably I most people tuned into this to our podcast. Yeah, so I think the easiest way to explain Bitcoin, so you have um, you have centralized systems and you have decentralized systems. And Bitcoin's kind of like there is no borders with this type of new type of money. I call it security, and I think the value actually derives from the security itself. Yeah. A lot of people will just say store values. So let's just keep it that at currency. Um, you can hold this money inside your own personal wallet. So there's no really middleman controlling your money like a bank would. So the government could always come in and take the money out of your bank and say, okay, well, we took it for the, for this reason. Um, you no longer have it. With Bitcoin, you can store this money in your, your own bank, your own wallet number, um, and no one can come and take it from you. But that wallet is a piece of technology that someone has to develop if you don't, right? So... so- you have to you put your money, you're putting your fiat money in a crypto wallet that somebody else seems that seems like someone else still has the power over that. Yeah, correct. So there's something called um, custodial wallets. So custodial wallets are, say, like a Coinbase wallet. 
where Coinbase has access to all the Bitcoins in a, and they call it a hot wallet where they store all the Bitcoins and they, and I'm sure they have money outside of a hot wallet, but that's just like their daily pool of money that they use to send on and off Bitcoin. So if your money's on Coinbase or a centralized exchange like Kraken or, or one of those, um, then yes, a third party or second party is actually holding your money, but you can actually withdraw that Bitcoin from Coinbase into your own personal wallet where you only hold the code yourself and no one can take that from you. And that would be an app on your phone? Yeah, it would be. Um, well, Counterparty has a, a wallet called uh, Counter Wallet. So it's a Bitcoin wallet that can also hold NFTs or coins on Bitcoin. So, yeah, it would just be a uh, it could be an app on your phone where it would be it's all on um, the client side. So you're not giving your Bitcoin number to anyone else. It's all generated on the, the client side of your device. So or it could be a web wallet where you just create the Bitcoin wallet and then it will give you a, an address and then. Behind that address, you have something called a private key, and that private key gives you access to that wallet. So a Bitcoin address for every URL on Earth. Why Why would we need that? What's the significance? Or what's the importance? Um, well, to me, the importance about this, it's not just a URL, but it's uh, actually any alphanumeric combination on Earth. So it could be an address. It could be a car serial number. Um, it could be anything. And what it does is it generates a predetermined Bitcoin address where you can fire these counterparty, counterparty tokens at these addresses and you can store information forever. Um, so my website's called XProtectX, and that's actually uh, where I mostly just write blogs about Bitcoin. Um, but one of the main reasons I like to call it is it's almost like a 911 call for the internet. So if you see something bad online or someone's going to do something horrible with someone else, you can fire one of these tokens at these URLs and it will actually tag that site forever. And it's uh, unmutable, and uh, it can never be modified. So the data is there forever. Wow. Okay. I got to break this down, and, uh, and I hope you don't mind. I hope these are good questions for you. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, I feel like you're sometimes you refer to a digital a- asset, and sometimes, like you mentioned, uh, a serial number, right? So a serial number is affixed to a product. Can we use a VIN, a vehicle identification number? Can we make that the can we make that Absolutely, yeah. the focus? Okay, so a VIN is just a coded, it's an alphanumeric code, 17 digits, go into 21 soon, I think. And and in a VIN decoder, which would be a, a software program, or in a database is certain information that is publicly accessible if you have that VIN. So what you're saying is you would want to make an would you want to make an nft out of that or you would want to what would you do with that vin as it pertains to counterparty sure so um you have the vin of your car so you enter that into the bitcointrustnetwork.com and it shoots out a bitcoin address okay and that bitcoin address can hold data these counterparty tokens are are data packets that you can shoot into bitcoin can you walk me through this process like can i do it on the on the computer Yes. Yeah, so if you could go to the website, you can go to um, BitcoinTrustNetwork.com. Okay. Give me one second here. So all those those uh, QR codes is a new Bitcoin address. So every time you add a letter, it generates mm-hmm. a, new, a new Bitcoin address. Okay. So you have 2515 Durango Lane in there, right? Right. So I don't want to do a, I don't want to do a 911 call for your house, but let's just say um, you had a neighbor who thought you were awesome. They could make their own NFT saying Ryan's awesome, and then they could fire that at that address right there you have on your screen, 
and that data will stay there forever as long as Bitcoin exists. And why would someone need to do that? Well, let's say you're a, uh, if you're a government or state or something and you're tracking addresses, you might want to know um, who, who, who lives around you, if there's any felons, uh, if there's any types of um, people that you should be made aware of. I see at the bottom, this is actually your site. Correct. Okay, because I was going to ask, I'm like, who whose site is this? <laughs> yeah, so so me and a guy named John Villar, he uh, developed it. He's one of the core counterparty developers. Unfortunately, he passed away a month ago, um, but he was just one of the best Bitcoin developers in the world, and he came up with this creation. Wow. Sorry to hear that, by the way. Thank you. Um, okay, so just so I can kind of because we've got a few more minutes here this is a website on a web server Mm -hmm. which requires the internet Mm -hmm. to exist actually these codes can be generated off the internet they're all predetermined the codes are well because i was going to say but where does the where the engine behind this web cert behind this site is a blockchain right well it's a what's creating these burn codes so if you send a Bitcoin asset or NFT to this address, it's going to stay in there forever. Um, but there's no known key for that particular address, so you can never pull the data out. Uh, it's an algorithm that creates creates that that burn address or that, that data packet that we can fire at that URL. Um, one good example might be you enter a car, you buy a car and, and you purchase an extended warranty and you have it for five years. Uh, you could send, like the manufacturer could send that data to that uh, address they typed in there for the VIN number, and that data will always be there on um, right. your access. That's kind of where I'm going with this. So I decided to go get a VIN, not my own, because this is coming up in conversations. Just so you know, like where does you know where does Bitcoin, where does blockchain fit in? See, with, you know, see, with vehicles. What's What's powerful about this technology is it's all public. So um, obviously, if you have different warranties on different cars or 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 whatever. Um, there's different databases that are, are fractionalized and all the data is not together. With this, you send the data, manufacturers, people, repairs, fixes, and so on. And the data will always be recorded there and it will always be there as long as Bitcoin exists. Um, so even by me not saving anything on my screen, that 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 uh, node was created on Bitcoin? Correct. So it's actually not created on Bitcoin. It just creates the burn address. And then when you fire the data at that particular burn address, it's stored on Bitcoin forever. Um, correct. All right. And this is tricky stuff. Um, so, I mean, we all, I think we all, based on conversation and, and even our limited understanding, I think a lot of us see vehicles, VIN specifically, um, needing to be, I, I was going to say on blockchain, but I think what I'm learning from you is it's going to benefit by being on Bitcoin. Well, um, I think blockchain, I think you're more right about blockchain. Um, Bitcoin's limited to about 300,000 transactions a day. Um, with Counterparty, we might be able to do more sends than that currently. Um, so there'll be other blockchains that don't need to be as secure as Bitcoin. Um, Bitcoin will probably only secure stuff that's a million or 10 million or $50 million in the future. While other chains will be willing to secure like a car of thirty thousand or forty thousand um, on a, a chain that's not not as secure, but it's not need to be as secure. Are these the kind of things you'll learn in the University of Counterparty?
Yeah, so the University of Counterparty, it's just a uh, it's a it's a site, and I named it University just to people teach them learn about how to use Counterparty in the blockchain, create their own art, and uh, have a bunch of fun. And I did see like I can you can go to FAQ and submit your own. You can submit a question, basically. Yeah, correct. Uh, this is for the users in the uh, community who are just want to build up the FAQ base. Uh, I launched this a couple of weeks ago, so it's still limited on for information, but uh, it'll get there. Is it possible to install two different instances of free wallet for different seeds? And then this is your answer here. Yeah, it's answered by JDog. That's actually one of the main developers of Counterparty. Okay. This uh, this is a nice nimble site. It looks like it it flows really smooth. So uocp.org. So it's basically a way for people to a community around Counterparty to uh, to learn and be educated. Why do we need these cards? Can I show some of these cards from here? Um, you might be able to use the magic. Yeah, if you click that top link, the magic one. That's going to bring us Protect X. And uh, I think you'll be able to see if we scroll down a little bit, you'll be able to see some of those cards. So that's actually that card right there is the first um, art associated NFT ever. There's 300 of them. It's called the FD card. Mm-hmm. Uh, that recently sold for $46,000. Um, is this a photo of a physical card? Yes. Yeah, so this is actually created by Spells of Genesis. And it's a, uh, it, was a, it was just art drawn for a game people play inside these cards. So um, these people are playing these free games over the last five years, and they've been earning these cards. So some of these people have three or four of these cards, and they're worth about $200,000 right now, and they probably don't even know it. But they're physical cards that somebody would actually own. No, they're just digital cards. They're just NFTs on your phone, and they're stored inside a Bitcoin wallet. So this card actually exists inside Bitcoin. Inside um, Bitcoin, okay. The picture does not actually exist inside Bitcoin, but that token, the FD card up top there, um, that's the NFT or the cryptocurrency that rep- represents this card inside Bitcoin. Okay. So who's creating the art? Different people? So the university counterparty teaches anyone how to create any art they want. So you can be an artist, you can create a car or a design and you can go put it on Bitcoin and you can, you can sell it. You are listening to the Auto Converse podcast where we explore people, ideas, and technologies that influence how we are connected and the way we get around. Before we continue, I'd like to thank one of our sponsors, Ask Auto. With Ask Auto, you can get help finding the best car for you and your family, communicate with dealers, list your vehicle for sale, and get a free vehicle market report, all while protecting your privacy with our free Shopper's Shield. Find out more by going to autoconverse.com slash askauto. That's www.autoconverse.com forward slash askauto, O-T-T-O. And thank you. Tesla's cut the price of its Model 3 sedan by $1,000, its Model Y SUV by $2,000. This only affects the base models. Uh, The Model 3 standard range plus Again, standard range dropped uh, from thirty-seven nine ninety to thirty-six nine ninety, and then the Model Y standard range went from forty-one nine ninety to thirty-nine nine ninety. The long-range versions, which obviously give owners more miles, those prices have not changed. Now, this comes just six months after uh, CEO Elon Musk promised to make a twenty-five thousand dollar electric and fully autonomous car in about three years so 
kind of setting the stage for that. Toyota's revealed that it's de- debuting three electrified versions of its vehicles this year in the U.S. Uh, Toyota hasn't come out with the models that they're launching, but two of them are fully electric and one is a plug-in hybrid. Now, it's a step towards one of the company's goals, which is for 40% of all new vehicle sales to be made up of electrified models by 2025. That's four years from now. The automaker is also aiming to sell electrified Toyota and Lexus uh, models around the world in this same year. Now, in its announcement, Toyota shared some results from an internal research evaluating the environmental impact between full electric and plug-in hybrid vehicles. And the company found that greenhouse gas emissions of currently available full full electric plug-in models are roughly the same when you factor in pollutants created by electricity production. And also the production of plug-ins may even generate less greenhouse gases since they typically have smaller batteries. You might recall over the past couple of episodes, we've talked about the environmental impact of electric vehicles. So it is good to see automakers considering that it's not just about operating the vehicle, but it's about manufacturing them. Ford, as I mentioned, uh, recently announced a new strategy for the European market at Ames. Uh, the automaker primarily selling only electric vehicles by 2030. Now, in order to do so, Ford intends to spend $1 billion to revamp a factory in Cologne, Germany, where it will produce EVs using the Volkswagen platform. And the first production vehicle from that updated factory is expected in 2023. Now, the new strategy involves phasing out gasoline-powered vehicles in favor of electric power. The automaker expects to have all commercial vehicles made by Ford in Europe be electric by, are you ready, 2024. Seriously, this is happening. This is moving fast. Two years later, expects to have converted its entire lineup into electric or plug-in hybrids. Gasoline-powered commercial vehicles will still be offered for sale in Europe after 2030. Uh, However, the automaker currently sees electric models accounting for two-thirds of its European sales. Uh, And GM will phase out gas and diesel engines by 2035. This is worldwide. And with the goal of becoming carbon neutral by 2040. So that means cleaner new vehicles. And like I said, the plants that make them, which will be powered on renewable energy. GM is spending $27 billion to develop electric and autonomous vehicles by the end of 2025. And the portfolio will include 30 all-electric vehicles globally offering EVs in all sizes and body styles, including full-size pickup trucks, crossovers, luxury sedans. Uh, In the U.S., 40% of models offered will be battery electric powered. So you can see this is all really happening. And uh, we're trying to keep a pulse on this because it's uh, it's a big evolution. Uh, There's a lot of marketing behind it. So we want to take the time here on the show to really scrutinize uh, what you know where where manufacturers are going Hyundai who's bullish on the long-term growth prospects in India in the uh, in the Indian auto industry aims to focus on on various aspects such as electrification uh, autonomous technology and connected features as part of its future product strategy in India the automakers completed 25 years in the Indian market with over four billion dollars investment so far and plans to enhance digitization and focus on mobility services like subscription hailing and sharing uh you know ride hailing and sharing uh to fuel future growth hyundai motor uh india md and ceo ss kim 
told reporters we will continue to bring in advanced technologies and models in this market. He noted that customer convenience has remained at the center of its business plans and regarding the electric vehicle segment, which remained the automaker's number one priority. Pretty wild stuff, I got to say. So like I said, if, um, if buying a car right now seems pricey, it's not, it's not your imagination. It's, um, you're not alone. Well, the first answer, what comes uh, top of mind is the microchip issue. Um, last year, when COVID struck and factories closed and dealerships closed, uh, manufacturing plants suspended the, uh, the orders of microchips. When that happened, the manufacturers shifted to laptops and computers, which is what everyone was buying at the time and continues to keep buying because people are doing homeschooling and working from home. So the computer industry absorbed all the microchips. Now that uh, the plants have reopened and some other issues that happened like the Suez Canal blockage and the uh, cold snap in Texas that caused some uh, polyfoam plants to not produce seats, factories are having a hard time producing vehicles. That was Mike Columbus from Honda America explaining the reasons that so few new cars are available for consumers to buy and why used car prices are so high. This is another trending topic that we see sticking around for a while, and I'm committed to keeping informed about it here on the podcast. Used car prices are high right now, and they're likely to remain that way for the foreseeable future. Now, you can catch that complete conversation on our blog by going to autoconverse.com and then looking for the show from April, it's titled End of the Combustion Engine, High Car Prices, and Why Everyone Wants to Buy Your Car. We were joined that day by Mike and also Benjamin Dykstra from VehicleHero.com, which is a new online service to list your car or truck for sale. And you ready for this? To receive offers on your vehicle in as little as a few hours. Now, what does that tell you about how badly car dealers want to buy your car right now? This is a great time to sell your vehicle. So if you happen to have one sitting around not being used, which isn't entirely uncommon, then uh, now would be a good time to get that in front of a dealer because they probably uh, will pay a decent penny for it. And in our next episode, a week from now, we'll be getting into all that with Ben and Mike. Or again, you can go to our blog, autoconverse.com, and you can look for the original live recording there. Uh, with the article title I told you about in April. All right, folks, that's a wrap. Thank you again for tuning in and being so patient on our next episode. Remember, you can text the keyword autoconverse to 855-766-7585 and you'll get subscribed to our YouTube channel so that you can tune in to the live shows. And if you're a Doge holder, well... To the moon. This is Audiburst Media.